Welcome into the inaugural edition of the Florida Man Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Dunn. And before we start talking about our soccer teams here in Florida, uh, I just want to give you guys a heads up on what the format's going to be and why this is going to be a podcast you're going to want to subscribe to and listen to every single Monday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, We're just going to be talking Florida soccer. We're going to be talking about lower teams, lower division teams. We're going to be talking about MLS. Uh, We're going to be talking about the USL and a little bit of the U.S. women's and men's national teams as well. Uh, We're not going to be covering MLS per se. When we have guests on that work in MLS, we'll get their perspective and how they've got there and how they started their careers. But besides that, we're just going to be keeping this centricity, if that's a word, just focused on Florida soccer. And uh, to give you a little background on myself, uh, I worked in radio in Chicago. I had the first primetime soccer talk show called the Tyler Dunn Soccer Show back in 2016 on WCRX-FM in Chicago talking Premier League, the top five leagues, MLS, etc., etc., etc. I recently moved to Florida. In the last few months, I've had a lot of conversations with people. And I've gotten this vibe from afar about Florida soccer before I moved here. And then I've had the opportunity to talk to people and talk to executives and go to games. And it's been really nifty for me to kind of bring this to you guys week in and week out. And just to give you guys a heads up as well, our guest today is going to be Riley James of the Over the Line podcast and All In Sports Talk. Uh, He is a part of the Houston Dynamo. Uh, He covers them week in and week out, and Montreal played them last week, so it was an interesting perspective to hear his thoughts on Montreal, their performance against Houston, and then obviously we talked about their performance against Orlando and his thoughts on Orlando this season, if there is any optimism and the defensive woes. Uh, We're going to start with headlines. So every week we're going to have two to three headlines that we're going to start the show off and just get my thoughts on the headlines. I select them based on what I think are big headlines. And uh, we're going to start off. uh, Today we're recording on Sunday. Tampa Bay Rowdies announced that Norwich City will be coming to play a friendly. They said more news to be released soon on their official website, TampaBayRowdies.com and TampaBayRowdies on Twitter. Uh, They announced that there will be a friendly coming up. I don't know when that's going to happen, but there's going to be a friendly between the two teams that wear yellow and green. So that's going to be pretty cool to see a team that's probably going to be in the Premier League, a team that's doing really well in the second division of English football. Uh, It's going to be kind of cool to have them come down to Tampa Bay. Uh, We've seen in recent years championship teams and Premier League teams playing against these USL teams and Teams that are in the developmental league. I know Detroit FC had St. Pauli from Germany, a second division team, and a team that has a big following here in the United States. They went there and played them in Detroit. So it's kind of cool to see uh, Norwich come to Tampa Bay, and hopefully the the teams that are wearing both yellow and green, they have a good showcase, and hopefully it's a really fun game. Second news, uh, Inter-Miami announced they will be playing in Fort Lauderdale for their first two seasons at Lockhart Stadium. Um is it ideal? No. But they have a location. Hopefully they can build up a really good start. Maybe they can do what Atlanta's done, get a good South American young stars. That's a good blueprint. We've seen what Atlanta's done, and I think that should be the blueprint going forward. Uh, Darwin Quintero, another young person from South America that is having good success in MLS. 
Uh, you look at Atlanta United, Miguel Almarone, since he's joined Newcastle, he's created 3.25 chances in the Premier League since he's joined Newcastle. That is more than any other player in the Premier League since he's joined. So we should be going after these young, talented South Americans and then selling them for a big price to a European team later down the line. Because that's what we should be doing. We should be taking these young, talented players, helping them hit those levels. Maybe they stay, like a Joseph Martinez, or they go like a Miguel Almiron in Atlanta United or an Inter Miami. They make $25, 30 $35 dollars So hopefully they can build a good foundation, and for hopefully they can get a really good young stars to maybe culminate a quote-unquote big name that might be a little older from Europe. But I really do think... Uh, this stadium, it isn't ideal, but let's be honest. There's a lot worse things in the world than being at a different stadium at Lockhart Stadium for two years because if this project comes off the way that we're anticipating, the way David Beckham has been saying this project's going to go off, this stadium is going to be state-of-the-art and it might be one of the best stadiums in all of MLS. And that's saying something because there's quite a bit of good soccer stadiums that we've seen so far in the last few years that have been built and Hopefully Miami can be another one of those that has a great stadium that people want to travel to to see a soccer game. And lastly, my last major story of the day, it is Chad Johnson. He made his debut for Boca Raton FC. It was announced on March 12th that he was going to be joining the team after a successful trial. He made his debut, and oddly enough, Boca Raton lost a game one nothing on Saturday. Their official league season starts on April 12th, so they have a few more friendlies before their season starts. And uh, we do have Riley. He gives his perspective at the very end of our interview on his thoughts on Chad Johnson playing professional soccer. And I will give you my thoughts. I like it. I really do because Chad Johnson has this kind of weird connection with the soccer community. He's a big FIFA sports fan. He's a really good FIFA player. Uh, He's gone when he's done podcasts and he's done interviews with companies. He's gone and played them in FIFA, and he's a really good one. He challenges people. He drives to people's houses. He plays soccer. And even if this is just a PR thing, this is a good thing for Boca Raton, right? They're not the biggest team. They're not a famous team. But, hey, they're in the UPSL. This could be an opportunity for them to expand that umbrella. Maybe Chad Ochocinco could potentially lead them to bigger sponsorships, lead to more money, and put them in a physical situation. And I mean physical, meaning money, monetarily. Hopefully this could lead to sponsorships, more opportunities outside of the soccer realm. Hopefully more fans come to the stadium and they can sell out the stadium because uh, lower league soccer is an up-and-down community. There's teams that go to funk every single day, and maybe Chad Ochocinco I don't know what his money is. I don't know what he's he's bringing in it, but maybe they got him on a good deal, and hopefully he can bring more money into the club than what they are paying him. And of course, guys, Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, will be donning number eighty-five as he plays the striker position for Boca Raton FC. And as I mentioned, uh, this is a Florida-centric podcast, so we're going to be talking about UPSL teams, and we're going to talk about USL teams, and we're going to talk about. Uh, MLS teams, and we'll be talking about Orlando Pride as well. Uh, but this week, uh, we're going to transition on to Tampa Bay Rowdies. They won two in a row. They won two to zero over Pittsburgh uh, last night, and it's a good start on the season, right? Six points from the first two games. 
Uh, they got a goal in the first half from Sean Berry on a set piece on a corner kick. Uh, the goalkeeper came out for Pittsburgh, the, the River Hounds. He punched it away, and Sean Berry on the half volley put it in the back of the net. Uh, Tampa Bay, they had opportunities where I thought maybe they were going to concede that that first goal, and it was going to be a 1-1 game. But they're a younger team, Steinberger, Sean Berry, uh, very, very tremendous players. And we do have a clip from Sean Berry who won the Man of the Match poll on Tampa Bay Rowdies on Twitter. He won their poll with 153 total votes. He's got 43% of the votes. And the next closest is Zach Steinberger, who has 24%. So we have a little clip from that, and you guys are going to be able to hear it right now. Uh, Dom told me, yeah, go a little bit forward. And I was like, okay, I'll go. So I just went back up uh, a little bit, and the ball came to me. I was like, okay, why not? Just hit it. Went in. And that was Sean Berry. Uh, very humble, you know, he's just talking about the situation of him going up for the corner. Should he go? Should he not go? He does go up. He's not even in the penalty area. He's on the edge of the area. Good finish, and probably, out of all the Florida teams, the best goal that was scoring all weekend because the other one was scored by Dom Dwyer up the road on Saturday, and his team ended with a culmination of a 3-1 defeat, and it was 3-0 at the time when he scored his goal. And I mentioned at Tampa Bay Rowdy, we will be making a trip down there, hopefully, during the season for the Florida Man Soccer Podcast. And hopefully we can make it down there, maybe get a couple of interviews with the players in person and possibly even uh, be in the press box, maybe talk to some of these fans as well that have supporters groups. So if you know anybody, a part of the Tampa Bay organization or anybody that is a fan, independent fan groups, have them give me a follow, DM me, T-Dunfooty, D-U-N-A-D, because it's going to take a lot of local support to bring this podcast up and get some eyes on this podcast And you'll be able to see there is an archive. I have covered top five on this stream before, and we've transitioned from that to go to the Florida Man Soccer Podcast. And so this is going to be a guerrilla promotion. It's going to be starting with you guys, and I'm going to be really appreciative of all the help and support you guys can bring me. And we do have Alex Brown. He's a part of the Lion's Den Podcast. He will be coming up next week to talk Orlando City. And we will have a few supporter groups from Inter-Miami coming up as well. And a potentially big interview with somebody high up in the Orlando City organization on the PR and community relations sides and talking about business and how uh, they've impacted the community and how they've built up a positive footprint in the Orlando community. So those are some upcoming podcasts that you guys can hear. Uh, make sure you guys follow us, Twitter, T. Dunfooty, D-U-N-N-E. As I mentioned, make sure you guys... Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. At. Leave us a review. Five stars are always greatly appreciated. And if you guys know anybody that you think would be a great person on this podcast, drop a DM to me. Mention me on Twitter. I'm always responsive. If I don't get to you right away, I'll get to you at the very end. And as I mentioned, I've promoted a few times. We have Riley McManus. He is a a uh, podcaster. He covers the wonderful Houston Dynamo who are having a tremendous start in MLS this season. And I think it might be time to get to his interview where we talk about Inacio Piatti. Is he underappreciated? We both had perspectives of covering him in person. He gives his rating on what his standing it is as a DP player overall. And we talk about the first three games of Orlando City and the ultimately the 3-1 defeat and what they need to do going forward and we do behind the stats with Dom Dwyer is he a DP caliber player and now let's get to Riley James is a 
fantastic day to be here. I appreciate the invite. Let's, let's talk some soccer. So we have Riley James. We'll jump right into it. You are... It's really cool to talk to you because your perspective on MLS, you've been covering the league, if I remember correctly. We're at three years now, right? Yeah, this is my fourth, my, started my fourth season, so three, four years in. Three, four years in. When you first started, you were in high school covering these games. You were a credential media member while you were in high school. So you have to go through this interesting situation, this interesting perspective, because people look at age... And they do it with players, they do it with managers, they, they judge people on their age. It's like, oh, he's 25 years old, he should be this great player. He's 17 years old, he has all the promise in the world. He's 31 years old, he's past his prime, he isn't good enough anymore. Which, age is just a number, and what you've been able to accomplish, going through probably some stereotypes, being judged without being, people without knowing who you are, how was that for you going through these first three, four years, being a younger person covering this game and being very well-liked and respected within the community and having to always have to prove people like, hey, I may be a younger guy, but like I bring something really cool with my perspective on the game of soccer. So how has that experience been for you, being a younger person in the press box, interviewing coaches and players on a week-to-week basis? Well, it's interesting, right? Because I started this, my first credentialed match ever was in Atlanta, Georgia. I was 16 years old. Yep. And, and and during that match, I was sweating the entire time. Not because it's 100 whatever degrees in Georgia. It's because I'm sweating because I'm nervous and all these things happening. And they just want to go in there, do a good job, so they let me go back kind of thing. <laughs> but going through all the things I've, I've been through, you know, covering that one game in Houston, I, I've done a bunch of stuff with the Dynamo. I've been all around MLS doing things. The thing I've, I've learned to, to note is you have to present yourself in the best possible fashion because people are always going to remember that first thing. Yep. First impression thing is a huge, uh, it's, it's one of the, the things I base my life around. The first time I meet someone, the first impression is always something they're going to remember about me. So what I do, and, and people that follow us and, and know the show, we do reporting a little bit differently. A lot of the guys are writers in the press box, and that's perfectly fine. But we decide we want to do internet content as well as writing and as well as uh, live tweeting the game, so internet stuff. Yep. So I wear a suit. I wear a button-down shirt. I, my thing has become I wear a uh, lapel pin, which is usually a flower on my uh, the left side of my jacket. So we have this thing. I'm dressing nice when all these guys are wearing jeans and polos, which is, again, fine for a writer, but we try to do it differently. So I show up wearing a suit and look at my vest, that kind of kills the, the stigma. It's like, hey, this kid's 18, because I look and dress and, and for the job that I want, not the job that I have right now. Isn't that interesting? Like, I've been in a press box, you've been in a press box, and one of the first games I got, I was, let's see, I went to a Chicago Fire game. I think I was 20 years old, right? And I look young. I mean, I'm 25 now, Riley, and I still have people that tell me that I look like I'm in college. I'm still 18, 19 years old. I take it as a compliment, but you always have to, people judge you. Oh, you look like you're 20. You look like you're 18. So people immediately judge you, and that's the same thing for me. I got the slacks, the dress shoes, and a dress shirt on. And I remember going into the press box, and everybody just looked at me like, I've never met this guy before, but he looks good, he's dressed good, and people want to come up to you, and you give them a good handshake, and you ask them how they're doing. They remember that, and when you come back again for the second time and the third time and the fourth time, 
you just become a part of the furniture, but it, you stand out on that first one, especially you're dressed up in this suit. You look really good. And then you're also doing videos outside of the stadium. You're talking to players. You're talking to fans. How has that evolved, right? So when you first go, you're just at the games, and then you evolve to – I remember you were talking to a guy that works for the team. I think it was like a concession guy or a vendor, and now you're outside the stadium and you give a pre-match report and a post-match report. How did it evolve from being in the press box and then doing more videos – for your, uh, for your Twitter, and then obviously for all-in sports? So, how this went down. So, the first game in Atlanta, I just went in there. I wanted to make sure I did everything good. I just got audio clips and uh, tweeted out the game, which was, was fun for the first time. And then I did some playoff games in Houston, kind of kept that same thing. But when I started the 2018 season, I wanted to be different. I wanted to uh, improve our social media platform and grow it because I was still at MLS Aces. Time. Yep. So what I did, we did gimmicky things like we interviewed fans about the game, or we we go interview this beer guy, and the, the the guy you're talking about his name's Brandon, great guy, uh, one of the funniest guys I've met doing the job. But he uh, he kind of rolled with it, and it was a fun thing. Like we get the perspective of the guy who doesn't know anything about soccer, who just watches it because he works there and sells alcohol to people. Like it's it's very. Interesting. He, he's getting a paycheck. He doesn't. Right. He's got no. He's got no dog in the fight. He doesn't care if Houston win or Houston lose, as long as he's getting a paycheck at the end of the night and fans are showing up. He's a happy man. Right. So to get his like perspective on what he sees as a non-soccer guy, I think it's very important because American soccer is very very new. Like we're twenty four years old. Uh, twenty four years old as a league. So to get that perspective from guys who are like getting into soccer because they work near soccer because American soccer is everywhere now, that's interesting. But with the the players and the coaches, we started doing that about halfway through last season. We started uh, videoing it instead of just having the audio for the podcast. We started videoing it for the Twitter and for the Instagram, which has been one of the best ideas that's ever come across my desk. Is videoing. And then matching the audio I have from my phone to the video, so we release it as a video on Twitter and Instagram, which has just gone up and, and, and increased the views and got so many more people flooding to our platforms to watch these exclusive interviews that you may not get on your local television or anywhere else, which has been uh, fantastic. And, and to be able to develop relationships with some of these players, that way they like are more open with you, more honest with you on some of these things. It, it, it's definitely been... Uh, an evolving process. Yeah. And this year we got some more things lined up that we're going to possibly do for some of the bigger games this year. But it, it, it's been a really interesting journey because I've covered 22 games now with CONCACAF and, and, and doing all these things. But uh, I, I'm just really, really happy that he's now giving me an opportunity to cover the team week in, week out. And then through all in sports talk, cover more MLS matches throughout the year. And it's a culmination of an evolution. It's a four-year process, right? You're building yourself up steadily and steadily and steadily. And now people know you, managers know you. And it's cool because I like I always look at your Twitter and I do see you interviewing these players. And I see the video and I'm looking at you and I'm like, I don't know where he's getting the video from because you have your cell phone in your hand. But it's great that you're working with other people and you're able to get that video clip because people like to look at video we both know that they listen to audio but they like looking at video they like a two-minute video they like to hear someone's you know question answer and then the video is done so i really appreciate that i really like what you're doing and i i floor people to please check out the over the line podcast and you can follow them on twitter at otl underscore pod on twitter because it is a really good podcast so I, I do want to. I do want to say this. I want to give a shout out to the guys that do help me. Abner Thibodeau, uh, 
Jevin Perry, Jordan Sermon, those guys who come and help me and do video, because I always bring a guy with me. Yeah. Because I live two hours away from Houston. It's really hard to do 8 o'clock games and then drive home. So those guys drive home, they do the video stuff for me. It's just, I want to give a shout out to those guys because no one, no one really knows who they are. No one really knows what they do for me. But um, all the credit I get and all the praise I get, it, a lot of it is, is because of them and doing uh, them doing their job. So I just want to shout out to those guys. And you mentioned it, you uh, have the privilege of covering the Houston Dynamo week in and week out. And last week, uh, the Orlando City's opposition, the Montreal Impact, they were in Houston. They lost 2-1 to one with a late goal in the 86th minute for Houston to seal the three points for the Houston Dynamo. Uh, what did you make of Montreal against Houston, and were you surprised that Montreal a week later goes to Orlando and they win 3-1 to one comprehensively? Well, I'm not surprised that anyone goes into Orlando and beats Orlando, but uh, the Montreal Impact is like one of those interesting teams this year because when we did our MLS previews and over the line, I picked them to finish seventh, which is now a playoff place in MLS. Um, they're like right on the bubble for me. I don't know if they're going to be good. They have a lot of new guys coming in. Max Uri is, is a guy that just scores goals, like six goals in four games, and then he goes two months without scoring. Yep. So it's the consistency thing for Max Uri and all these new guys coming in. And, and how everything works together. And Matthew Pinari's last MLS run is going to be very interesting wearing that blue and black shirt. So whether that goes how he wants it to, it's going to be interesting to watch. But Montreal looked good last week. Given they lost 2-1, they still went into Houston and scored a goal. Houston's much better defensively this year. Kiki Struna and Matias Bada in the back. They went into Houston and scored a goal. That's one of the most difficult things to do in this league. And they, and they, and they maintained and, and some they really good possession there, too, away from right. home. And, yeah, they had massive spells of possession during the game. It was a very even game that Marmonotas does what Marmonotas does best, and he wins games. But the Montreal Impact looked really, really good, and then they go into Orlando, and they beat Orlando like quite heavily. Yep. <laughs> like it, it wasn't close. They popped on, because I was in Houston for the Vancouver's match yesterday, and then they popped on the TV, Orlando and Montreal. And I looked at the score. I'm like, it's already 3-0. Yep. Like, they're a good team. It's just, it's March. And I say this all the time. March, April, May, results mean absolutely nothing in the last. Yep. You cannot take away how good a team is and how good they're going to be in October from how they play in March and April. Because you just, you just can't do it. Look at DC last year. Look at Seattle the year they won the Cup. They were dead last in June. Yep. So, right now it's good for Montreal, but can they can can they keep this going? Can they progress and develop throughout the season to what I think they might be a playoff team in seventh place? And the interesting thing about Montreal, I'm just going to read off Ignacio Piazzi's game in numbers against Orlando. Two goals, two chances created, 11 successful final third passes. He had three shots on target. He found the back of the net twice. He's absolutely clinical, 34 years old. You mentioned it's his last run in MLS, last season wearing the blue and black. Uh, he's played 127 games in the league. He just got his 100th goal and assist, netting his 66th MLS goal. When we talk about DP players, when we talk about foreign DP players that are non-Americans, non-North Americans, where do you think he will rank on the list of non-North American DPs in the history of MLS? Because... He's had a really good run. He hasn't been in the biggest market of team, but he's came in. He's been pretty consistent over the last 
three, four years. He's been one of the best players in MLS. I think most MLS fans, we all appreciate his contribution, but where do you think he'll rank at the end of the day when he hangs up the boots and he leaves MLS? Where do you think he ranks on that non-North American DP list? That's a tough one because you do have guys like Robbie Keane and David Beckham and Diego Valeri. Yep. And, uh, and, and of course, Sebastian Giovinco just loves in the, summer, or in the winter. Uh, you have guys like that. So, Nazio Piatti, he does not play in a big market. You do not see him on television that often. So, the numbers are there to compete with those guys. And for me, Nazio Piatti is definitely top five, top six best players to ever play on a DP contract in Major League Soccer. It's it's going to be a shame next year when we don't see him play, and maybe some of those fans who are so used to Piatti being up in Montreal or not, and that don't appreciate him right now, are going to miss him next year and yep. miss how he makes Montreal somewhat relevant because he's quite he's quite good. Um, but for me, he's top five, top six. I would have to put a list together. I'm pretty sure he would make that top though. So for me and you, we both covered him. Seeing him play live, you saw him last week, I saw him last season play live. I've seen him play live twice in the watching him in the press box and I'm watching him as a fan at Chicago Fire Games. I would say he's probably, in MLS terms of players that I've seen live, he's definitely top five players I've seen live. Yeah, I, I would say that. And yeah. I, I got the privilege of seeing Alfonso Davies last year in his last, uh, last season for Vancouver. Like I know we're not, I know we're not super into, you know, talking about these young kids. We're talking, more talking about Nacho Piatti, but <laughs> Alfonso Davies last year and, and Diego Valeri and watching those guys kind of play. Those are some of the best players I've seen. But definitely Piatti. That was my first time seeing him in a Montreal shirt because uh, Montreal did not play in Houston last year. But yeah, Piatti. Piatti's been fantastic in MLS for a very long time, and to be able to see him play live wearing that shirt around his usual teammates, it was uh, it was phenomenal to see. So. Piatti, uh, we're going to miss you next year. <laughs> I, know, I know you listen to the show. <laughs> uh, we're going to transition on to the game itself, but you mentioned Afonso Davies. He did score as we're recording his first goal for Bayern Munich at 18 years old. So congratulations to an MLS prospect and watching him continue his growth uh, across the pond with Bayern Munich. Um, let's transition on to it. Uh, 3-1 victory for Montreal. You mentioned it. You weren't surprised by the result based on what you saw last week and based on Orlando and their defensive issues. But they get a 2-2 draw against New York. They get a 1-1 draw against Chicago and then 3-1 this past weekend. Uh, To sum it up, two points from their first three matches uh, probably should have gotten more. Uh, How disappointing as an Orlando City fan, fans, how disappointed should they be? They should have gotten the three points against Chicago. Had a very, They had an opportunity to get three points. A VAR decision went against them. There's a possibility they could be sitting on six points, but unfortunately for them, they have two points. Uh, for Orlando City fans, is there any optimism, Riley, that you can give them to look forward to this season, or is it just going to be another bad season, another season where the contracts and the DP contracts, they're just... They're not the right players, and they don't have the right system to compete for a playoff position. All right, so I'm not one for optimism ever. That's I true. Feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hope eludes me a lot of the time when it comes to my favorite sports teams. But this team is—I didn't think they were going to be that good, anyways. And 
to see how they play during the first three games. Like I said, it means absolutely nothing how well these teams are going to do later on in the season. But to see maybe glimmer, like glimpses of hope, this team having good moments, Yep. they might be able to put together a couple games this season, may sneak into the seventh spot, the sixth spot, or whatever. But for me, Orlando's still like right outside, maybe eighth, ninth, tenth, of, in the Eastern Conference because Eastern Conference really, really good. They got the top three teams and then everyone else and then the two bottom teams. So whether Orlando is, is going to be in that mix for that seventh playoff spot, I don't really know. But the early early season performances has me thinking this team could possibly do something if they figure out what's wrong. Because for me, right now, defensively, they are terrible. They are terrible. I don't know what you do about that. There's not many things as a head coach or as a manager you can do if your team is terrible defensively. You have the players that you have. You have an opportunity to go out and buy players in the window and and, and put this together how you think it should be put together. James O'Connor, I'm, I'm still not sold on him being the Orlando City manager full-time, like whether he should get another contract or not, I just I, I don't get it. I, I just don't understand what the problem is that Orlando City can't defend. They had a massive amount of fans yesterday, and they are terrible. This team deserves to be good. The fans deserve this team to be good, but Orlando City keep getting in their own way, and they have been for the last three to four years. And they bring in Nani. He's their DP player, uh, the brand new shiny DP player, I should add. Uh, at thirty-two years old. Thirty-two. At thirty-two years old. At thirty-two years old, it's kind of based on what we've seen with current team success in MLS when they've been going with the DP players. You look at Atlanta. You look at an LAFC, for example. People have been kind of trending away from the older European, South American DP players. I know Wade Rooney and Zlatan Ibrahimovic are two players that stand out where you can say, Tyler, what about Rooney? He got a hat trick yesterday. Or Zlatan, he had an incredible first year in MLS. But those two players were generational talents that are in MLS. It's kind of different. They have this extreme ability. Nani on his day can be one of those top players, but he's always shown throughout his career an inconsistency. When they announced that transfer to you, what would what would you grade that when you first saw that on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, 1 being a really horrible idea? Where would you rate this possible DP? Obviously, only three games have been playing. He's only had two starts, so we really can't we don't really know what he's going to bring, but for you when you first saw that, you've seen what Atlanta's been doing and what their trend has been and it's been successful for him. Were you kind of surprised that they went to an older DP? It was so MLS 2.0. Like, we're, we've already moved into MLS 3.0. Like, we're there. South American players, Miguel Amador, Joseph Martinez, even even some of the older, uh, like, kind of old Roman Alessandrini was 27 when he came to sign with the Galaxy. Those are the players you type, like you need to succeed in MLS now. It's not David Beckham. It's not Frank Lampard. It's not Stevie G. Yes, Lodzcon and Wayne Rooney are exceptions to the rule because they're ageless wonders who would never be bad. But when Nani signs with Orlando City, I had a moment, like, okay, great. And then I realized where we're at as a soccer nation, where we're at as a league. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is bad. This is bad. 
just because you score a winner in the Euro final against France does not mean you are, are like this big time world class player. Understand he's had some great moments of his in his career. Understand he's been in Europe most of his career. But to sign for Major League Soccer Orlando City, it was a terrible idea. To, to go back to the 1-10 to 10 thing, I think it was a 4 at the moment because this is not the way the league is anymore. This You can't do this and succeed. You need guys that you bring up to South America. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. The 2019 South America South American Player of the Year already has a contract with Atlanta United. It's just that's how it's going to go. Atlanta United has to plug. They have the answer down in South America. Yeah. They were the, one of the best teams ever last year. And... Orlando, their rival, Atlanta's biggest rival, Orlando City, responds with signing Nani. Yep, and they and also it doesn't make any sense. And they also signed Robin Jansen. He's a Swedish uh, center back. He made 25 appearances. He made a Sweden debut in January. Uh, what do you think his impact is going to be? Obviously, he comes from a really good, you know, European nation. Uh, Swedish players have been tend to be really good defensively. What do you think he's going to be able to bring? Because they've been trying to play this three at the back, James O'Connor. It hasn't really worked out in the first three matches. Uh, playing out of the back, I've never seen Robin Jansen play. I'm going to be the first one to admit. I don't really know much about him. But you see that he's made a debut for Sweden. He's played for the Swedish champions. He made 25 appearances for them last season. He can only be, it can only get better defensively for Orlando City, but... Is the biggest issue for them, is it the bad DP contracts or is it their defensive structure? Because defensively, they gave away the ball many times against Montreal and they got punished every time they gave the ball away defensively. To to answer the the first question, I've never seen the guy play either. But this is the way you want to start going. You want to start bringing in 25-year-old players that are not 32. If you want to bring in 25-year-old players who have experience playing consistently in Europe, that have preferably national team experience, like this guy has, debuting with Sweden, a World Cup caliber team, as we as we've seen. Yep. Yes, I I like this. I like this. This is the way that the league is moving. This is the way Orlando City should be moving. You would think an expansion team would be on the train of progressing in league forward and maybe not going back to the same things that the league used to do. Understand, Kakao is a great thing to get this team going, but Kakao should have been their first and last big-time, older DP player. Yep. This is the way you need to start moving. This is the way that gets you into the playoffs for the first time ever in MLS. This is the way they bring success to Orlando City. I like the move. Never uh, never seen the guy play again. But 25 years old, Swedish champion, plays for Sweden at least a couple times. I like it moving forward. But the, the second question, the defensive or the, uh, the defensive problems or the DB problems. I think it's a little of both, but the bigger issue is probably more, more on the defensive side. It's on the field. You cannot let up three goals. You cannot let up two goals at oh, home. And, just, and especially, did you see, I know you were covering the game, but did you see the highlights of how they gave away the goals? I mean, Sasha Kalashin got, yeah. got caught on the ball, and then Piotti makes it. You know, 3-0, and obviously Dom Dwyer got a late consolation goal. That meant nothing. Uh, Brian Rowe, there's a bad, you know, decision. He goes out. If that doesn't go in the back of the net, he probably gets a straight red card. 
but they go on and get a goal because, you know, that's what happens. And then the referee plays an advantage and he only gets yellow card, but he could have easily been sent off. They just, they kept on punishing themselves from the first minute. I mean, you turn the game on the first three, four minutes, they gave the ball away. And I was surprised Montreal didn't put it in the back of the net in the first five minutes. But it was just a culmination of the defense against Chicago was, you know, against a Chicago team that was very lackadaisical and with 10 men, one good cross goes in for C.J. Sapong in the 94th minute and three points becomes one point. Against New York City at home, you go 2-0 down at halftime and you have to roar back. Every game this season, they put themselves in a situation where they should have been in a better situation. They try to make it 2-0 against Chicago. Chicago is now make it 1-1. Defensively, it's just they need to do something. They need to blow it up. They need to re-sign and bring in some quality players. And I think Jansen is a good start, but that whole back line, the three defensemen, either play out of the back or go to a four-man defense because I just don't know what they're going to do to get to the playoffs if they keep on playing like this defensively. And it goes back to the point that we're we're major league slackers. Yep. We, I think we, we've now gotten to the like maybe top ten best league in the world. In my opinion, top ten. Obviously, the top five European leagues. There's a couple of leagues below that. Maybe a league of Mackies above us. But top five, top twelve, best league in the world. This is not how you play. This is not how you get better. The defensive problems. It's it's bigger than the DP problem for me because it's on the field. You lose games on the field. Whether you sign contracts, whether you sign players, whatever, that's all in the future. That's all yet to come. But on the field, the defensive problems, you can't let up three goals. You can't let up two goals at home and win anything. Nope. You're going to draw. You're going to lose to Montreal. Like, I understand if you lose to Atlanta United at home, but you can't lose to Montreal 3-1 and look as bad as you did. Yep. Like, that's just something else. And, so and you can't and you can't and you can't draw one one with Chicago when they've been down to ten men for twenty five minutes either. Right. You, it's just I don't I, I don't understand I don't get it. What is the big problem with Orlando City for four years? This has been a consistent problem. And you mentioned forever. and the fans deserve better. They deserve to have a quality product. Because there was forty thousand people there yep. yesterday, yeah. and their team is terrible. Yes. They've been terrible. They finished in the bottom half of the table every single year in the league, and their fans are still going through their games. You and I talked before about Chicago having zero people at their games. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible, but there's zero people there. Orlando at least have people there. They deserve a winner. They deserve to be better because soccer is so big in Southern Florida and, and Central Florida. Yeah, and, and like you said, there's nothing else there. They have Orlando, they have the Orlando, we have, we have, Orlando City. We have Disney, we have Harry Potter World, and we have Orlando City Soccer. That's the three <laughs> things we have here in Central Florida. Uh, to wrap up our conversation with Riley James, make sure you check out the OTL pod on Twitter, the Over the Line podcast. It's tremendous stuff. And you can also check out All In Sports Talk as well, where Riley and myself, we are featured there with our podcast respectively. Uh, we're going to go behind the stats uh, it's a little segment we're doing with interviews and to wrap up the podcast. And we pick certain stats. It can be good. It can be bad. And we can narrow in on it. And the question to you is, is Dom Dwyer still a DP caliber player? And I'm going to read it off his stats of the game. He had five big chances. He had one goal. He only had one pass in the final third. And he created one opportunity in 90 minutes of play for Orlando City. Against Montreal. Against Montreal. 
against Montreal. Yep. Of all teams. Like, I get it if it's Columbus. I get it if it's the Red Bulls. I get it if it's Seattle. But against Montreal. That's, it's just Don Dwyer. SKC Don Dwyer? Fantastic. One of the best players in the league. Orlando City Don Dwyer. He got domesticated. Sydney Lurie plays for Orlando. They're about to have another child. He got comfortable. He got domesticated. There was no push. Orlando loves him. He started his career there. Like there, he, he got comfortable in Orlando, and that's exactly what you don't want to happen. No, he's not a DP player. No, he's not a big time player. Should they start him? Probably, because he's the best they got. But he's not a DP. He's not DB player. He should not make as much money as he's probably making right now. Yep. He's just been terrible the last couple of years. He's brought practically nothing to the first three games. He's just up there because he's Dom Dwyer, what he did for SKC and what he did for Orlando when they played the USL. And the, inter- comfortable. And the interesting thing is to also go with that we were talking about it on Twitter, T-Dunfoot, D-U-N, and you can go through my replies. I was talking to a few Orlando City fans. It was about the between the 55th and 60th minute. Uh, Chris Mueller, who I'm a big fan of, Illinois native. Well, we're from Love the same. Chris Mueller, we're from the, the same. We're from the same area in Illinois, the Schaumburg area. So shout out to him. Me and him being Illinois suburbs of Chicago kids, and we had an opportunity. He they were pressing high. Chris Mueller wins the ball off one of the center backs for Montreal, and it goes right to Dom Dwyer. He takes a heavy touch, but there was an opportunity where he could have played it right to Chris Mueller, and they could have made it 2-1 with a half hour to go. Potentially, that would have changed the game, would have been a momentum changer. 30 minutes at home, Montreal probably a little bit more nervy in those last 30 minutes. But Dom Dwyer tries to take a left-footed shot, and he missed his second big chance of the game. He had one in this first half with Luis Nanny playing him in on the penalty area, and he skied it over. So he had two clear-cut big opportunities, and he blew both of them until the 90th minute when the game was over and it was 3 nothing, and then he obviously got his goal. But two big opportunities. He makes two bad decisions. He could have played Chris Mueller, and he could have gotten his second goal in the MLS season, but he didn't. Uh, you mentioned it. You don't think he's DP caliber. I don't think he's DP caliber. He's got two goals in the season already, but two games, his past two games against Chicago and Montreal, he has one chance created and two goals. And both of his goals... Uh, one was a fluky goal by bad defending by Chicago, and then obviously a consolation goal at the very, very end. Uh, what do you think going forward they were going to do with him? Do you think they'll restructure his contract, maybe make it a TAM contract, or do you think they'll just get rid of him in general at the end of the season? I think they'll probably restructure it, make it a TAM contract. And to, to go back to Chris Mueller for a second, Chris Mueller, I don't want to talk all bad about him. Uh, no, a lot, he, a lot of, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of Chris Mueller. I thought he didn't deserve to be benched against, against Chicago. Going into the game, he created more chances than Dom Dwyer, Nani, and Sasha Kleshton and Akindeli combined against right. New York, and then he gets dropped away from home, which I thought was just very bizarre. Your best creative player and your goal scorer, and you hook him in Chicago. Right. Like, Chris, Chris Mueller is the bright spot of this team. I don't want to talk about it. A lot of people get confused. I just covered the Houston Dynamo because I live here. Or I'm an Orlando City fan. Off the clock, when when I'm not talking on the radio, when I'm not covering games, I watch Orlando City and I report. Now, when Orlando City comes to Houston, I'm a neutral, whatever. You get it. I don't want to get confused. Yes, I like the Dynamo. It's a special place in my heart. When they succeed, I succeed. Great things, whatever. But... Chris Mueller is the bright spot of this team. I don't want to go through this whole podcast and not say something positive about Orlando City. Because they are 
they're not the worst team because they could beat San Jose. But Chris Mueller's fantastic. I would restructure Dom Dwyer's contract to maybe not have as much money towards him. Open up a DP spot. Then you go and push for a South American player. You're obviously not going to get the best because Atlanta has proven they are the plus to get these South American guys. But you go out and you at least try again. When I know Joseph Coleman was like they tried, it didn't work out. You go try again. You don't completely shut that off because the one player didn't work. So you go back to what worked in the past with the guy and go get nine. No, you keep pushing in South America. You keep pushing in Europe to get these 19, 20-year-old guys to succeed over here. Then you can sell them for a lot of money and start all over again. This is where MLS is heading. And Orlando's stuck behind the times. Again, they, they, they keep losing it again. So, yes, you get rid of Dom Dwyer's DP contract, and you open up a DP spot and bring in one of these other guys. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to wrap it up with our wonderful guest, Riley James. Like I mentioned it throughout the duration of this podcast, I love him a lot. I love his work. I am so proud of what you've accomplished because it's been so much great stuff you've accomplished. But we're going to transition – as we finish up this podcast, we're going to get your thoughts on Boca Raton FC. Chad Ochocinco. Ch- Chad Ochocinco. Uh, he's trying to fight H. He's trying to be the Usain Bolt of American soccer. Usain Bolt, uh, he got a trial with a Australian A-League team. I think it was the Central Gold Mariners. And Chad Ochocinco, he's a renowned FIFA player. He always challenges people on Twitter. Number 85 himself, Chad Johnson. Uh, he signed a professional contract with Boca Raton FC. They are a part of the uh, the United, I think it's the United Premier League Soccer League down there in Boca Raton, Florida. He signed a contract. Their league starts on April 12th. What do you make of him starting his professional soccer career at 34 years old? And uh, what do you think this is going to do for lower league soccer that professionals from the NFL are deciding to start professional soccer careers? It's fantastic. I love this so much. Chad Johnson, one of the funniest guys on Twitter. He always plays, plays with Napoli on FIFA. It's just he's a great guy. I'm so happy Ocruton's giving him a shot. He's going to start playing professional soccer. And this this is great for lower leagues because it gets people to the game. It draws uh, an audience and, and more revenue to be able to grow and, and produce more players to hopefully go up to USL and MLS. But just for Chad Johnson himself, he, he's bored, right? Like, he eats McDonald's every day of his life. And he's over here playing guys with people and going to their houses. Like, he's bored. So, playing professional soccer for Boca Raton FC is just another thing that Chad Johnson does. And I'm very, very happy to see him back play sports. I loved watching him as a child, uh, watching him dominate the secondaries of the, of the AFC North because uh, he played with the Cincinnati Bengals for such a long time. But, but to see him back on a professional field is, is fantastic, and I wish him the best of luck. And Booker is on as they entered their uh, season coming up in a few weeks. All right, he is Riley James. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, Riley James IAC. Make sure you check out his podcast, Over the Line Podcast, OTL underscore pod on and, Twitter. Hey, it's, not, it's not just MLS content. We do a bunch of uh, top five European leagues. We go into other things going on in Europe. We, we talk about the South American tournaments going on. We're going to be all over the Women's World Cup and the Gold Cup and the Copa America this summer. A lot more than Major League Soccer. So if you like soccer in general you want to know more about soccer in general, head over to the line at OTO underscore pod like you mentioned, Tyler. I appreciate it, man. No, appreciate pro- it. no problem, man. You are an absolute credit to yourself and all the people there in Houston. You've done a tremendous job 
and just remember I'm proud of you and I know there's a lot of people in this league that are really proud of you as well so continue success my friend and we'll talk to you soon thanks man Once again, I want to say thank you to Riley James and thank you to everyone that listened to the inaugural and debut edition of the Florida Man Soccer Podcast. Uh, Anything you can do, a retweet, a favorite, a share, whatever you can do to grow this podcast, I would be greatly appreciated because I want to bring something special to you guys every single week. And it's your support, it's your feedback that I want to hear. I want to make this the best podcast possible. Tell me if you want me to add a segment. Tell me if you want me to eliminate a segment. I really do think the uh, the news headlines, starting with the three big news, uh, an inter- interview portion talking about one of the teams in Florida, uh, I, I think those are going to be things that are going to be a staple of this podcast. Uh, maybe maybe integrate a, a my man of the match or a three stars of the week concept later down the line. But for the first week, I want to just give you headlines, my perspective, cover Tampa Bay and Orlando and talk a little Boca Raton and just kind of keep it simple the first week and hopefully you guys enjoyed also the Sean Barry uh, little interview I got that little snippet off of Twitter Uh, I will credit Tampa Bay Rowdies on Twitter it was just a little snippet thank you so much first episode first of many many more subscribe like rate review share everything you can do follow me on Twitter Tito and Footy D-U-N-N-E and once again guys thank you for listening to the very first episode of the Florida Man Soccer Podcast